This podcast episode will not work without your participation. So I want to invite you to take some time to jump over onto my Substack, which is where I host the podcast, and leave a comment in response. Because I think this may be one of the more important questions that writers especially have about the work that we're doing. And so if you're a reader who listens to this podcast, take a look inside the world of the writers who create the work that you love and respond as well. If you're a writer, tell me, am I right? Am I wrong? How do you see this differently? In what ways do you agree with me? Without further ado, this discussion is going to be my own reflections on two separate movies. I know they're not books, but movies get, at this time, a larger response from the public. And so we get a better chance to see what's happening with story. And then we can distill that down and put it into our books and understand the line between marketing and advertising and human response to stories. So the movies that I'm going to be discussing are the new Avatar movie, The Way of the Water, and the new Ant-Man movie, Quantumania. If you've ever watched an author read in public and felt bored, TRBM is the antidote. It reminds me of lions eating their prey in slow motion. TRBM is for writers what time-lapse was for painters, guitar solos and spotlight were for bands, and what chainsaws and ice blocks were for sculptors. Now what does TRBM stand for? Turtle risotto with bold mayonnaise? Texas really beat Mexico. Or Tom retired Brady? <laughs> you decide. I have to start out by admitting that I have not seen the new Avatar movie. I saw the original Avatar movie in theaters with 3D glasses when 3D was generally fairly new. And there was a lot of hype about how it was going to change the movie going experience. My viewing did not affirm that 3D was worth the time. It didn't add to my enjoyment. In fact, it was very distracting when little floating embers would appear at the periphery of my vision outside of what I perceived as the screen. I wanted the distinction between what was on the screen and my chair. And I felt like the 3D actually took away from that. But I understood that a lot of people raved about it. It wasn't a big deal to me. What was a bigger deal to me is that I felt like the story in Avatar was boring. I actually didn't enjoy the characters. I didn't enjoy the struggle. I didn't find the plot movement innovative. I left and almost immediately forgot everything I had seen. And I didn't understand at the time, neither did Chewie, the hype behind the movie. It seemed like it was all about the special effects. Now, I will say that I am a huge fan and a continuing defender of the Terminator series, which is also by James Cameron. So I think that James Cameron is able to tell a great story sometimes. I thought that Titanic was a good movie. I remember seeing it just like all of the other young kids in my day in theaters multiple, many times. It made perfect sense why that movie ended up being the highest grossing film of all time and finally outdoing E.T. Titanic was great. It had everything. It had love. It had drama. It had intrigue. It had mystery. It had sex. 
It was fantastic. Death, sacrifice, everything you could want. James Cameron, from what I've seen and the movies I've seen since, has failed to tell a story that had all of those elements. He seems so focused on getting in his submarine and going to the depths and of sitting in the interview chair after his work is done. I'm using air quotes because you can't see me here. Uh, and pontificating about how amazing he is as a person and what a great man and innovator he is and how he deserves to be the best that there is and recognized as such. And he's declared himself the king of filmmaking, maybe not in those exact words, but in his posture and his behavior. Way of the Water is now in the top grossing films of all time. And like I said, I haven't seen it, so I can't critique it. But if the reviews that I've read about it are true, if it's a weaker story than the first Avatar, and if the only real saving grace for the movie is the innovative underwater filming, then I'm going to have to say it's not deserving. And I think that that's fair because Avatar wasn't deserving. The first movie wasn't deserving of dethroning many movies that were higher grossing projects. And it made me start to wonder who gets to decide what's good. And if people are going to the theaters and seeing this movie, isn't that indicative of the fact that I'm wrong, that I'm in the minority, that if all these people are going to see the movie, doesn't that mean that it must be great? And so that's what brings me to this part of the conversation, which is Ant-Man Quantumania. On the other side of things, I'm a massive fan of what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done with stories. I think that they've taken a lot of the great things about comic books and they've turned them into film. And they have made a really strong visual and written property into an auditory visual property that has moving pictures. They've really done a great job with their characters. And I think, listen, that they have made some missteps. Some of the movies are not as good. I wasn't a fan of the most recent Thor movie. I thought that they really blew what was uh, becoming the best franchise in the, the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, aside from uh, the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy. What a great property. But anyways, I feel like in some important ways, Thor went really wrong. However, I think that Ant-Man was not only the best of the three Ant-Man movies, and sorry if you haven't seen any of these, I will really try to ground this in just my my reflections on story, but um, for those of you who have seen them, I thought it was the Ant-Man movie was the best of the three. Not only was it the best of the three, but it was the best that had come into the theaters in a long time. It, in some ways, restored my faith that, that the MCU can continue to pump out great movies, even though it's sort of the big blockbuster thing out there right now. I was really excited with uh, Paul Rudd's performance. I thought that his character was likable. Everybody who had screen time was likable. I thought that Bill Murray's cameo was fantastic. It was well-written. There was nothing really to dislike. And yeah, it had some plot holes. It had some story issues. But it was so compelling. And the characters were so lovable that it was impossible not to root for them and not to feel positive and uplifted walking out of the theater. So what happened? Well, 
Quantumania is the second worst grossing film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it was universally panned by critics as being a bad movie. And I've just been kind of stewing about this, honestly. I've been frustrated that I keep hearing this storyline, that it was a bad movie and a bad story and that the characters weren't likable and blah, blah, blah. Nobody's really citing proof that that's the case. In the meantime, all these people are going to Avatar and I'm trying to figure out why. Here's my belief. Here's my belief, and this is where your participation comes in, because I want to hear from real human beings who you don't have to have seen either of these movies or know much about either of these movies, but you have to know something about how blockbusters are made, whether it's Harry Potter, the books, or the movies, whether it's Gone with the Wind, or Stephen King, It, Pet Cemetery, The Shining, any of these things. When we talk about blockbusters, are blockbusters actually just a figment of our imagination? Are we told what to like and we behave accordingly? I'm afraid that might be partially true. I might be a f- I'm afraid that there may be a narrative that many follow that tells them what to like, why to like it, and what they should expect. And that a lot of people put less thought into the things that actually move them. But I could be wrong here. Because, I mean, I'm talking, again, about two blockbusters in, in the match. A cage fight together. Two ideologies. James Cameron making very few movies. And each movie he wants to be something brand new and as big as possible. And... It, I mean, listen to his interviews if you want. He's, he's out there just documented ad infinitum discussing his thoughts about film. And it, to me, sounds really snooty and stuck up and self-absorbed and out of touch with just telling a great story. You know, he's more interested in his effects and things like that. And at the same time, I feel like the MCU is out to tell the best story it can because it wants a lot of butts in the seat. It's a, it's a philosophy thing. I feel like I line up more with the Marvel Cinematic Universe philosophy. This coming from somebody who got my master's of fine arts and a fiction focus and was taught by professors to really value the sentence and the slow pace of a literary story. Um, there was something to be bragged about when you were able to write a book or a story that had no plot and yet was deeply moving. Same kind of insider thing going on there where you would submit to the New Yorker or Esquire or Playboy. And if your story was accepted, it meant that you had literary merit. It didn't have to be an interesting story in the sense of plot or action or intrigue or thrill or adventure. It just had to be a story that, you know, framed a slice of life in a way that the gatekeepers found pleasing. You had to be careful about the narratives you told. You had to be careful about the way that you told them. You had to make sure that there was a ton of uh, politically correct material inside of those stories. And that was the, the needle 
that you had to thread, the eye of the needle that you had to thread. I found it to be equally exhausting as watching James Cameron succeed with Avatar Way of the Water. Because if I'm honest, I was hoping that there would never be another Avatar movie. And unfortunately, that's not going to be the case. So again, participate, please. Let me know, why did you go see Avatar if you did? And if you liked it, I'd love to hear your defense of it and why I'm wrong. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue back. I'm going to hear you. And uh, if I get enough interaction to make a follow-up episode, I will read the responses that come in. I will interact with them via podcast. We can continue to have a conversation. If this is a popular enough way to do a podcast episode, we'll just keep it as kind of like a mini series discussion between the listeners and the podcast host. Uh, and we can do comments in the Substack. That is, if you are not familiar with how this works, Substack is, is the uh, website that hosts my podcast. It's also kind of like a, um, a large form blog type of a site. Uh, many of you who are listening and know what Substack is, you're like, yeah, tell me something I don't know. But for those of you who only listen to me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can get so much richer content by finding me on Substack. Uh, it's impossible not to find me on Substack if you want to. So just type in Substack Jody J. Sperling. You'll find me. I'll also have a link in the show notes to it if you're listening elsewhere outside of the Substack app. Drop a comment. Uh, thanks to Heather O'Brien, who drops comments on pretty much every episode. Love hearing from her. Thank you recently to Craig Crawford, who dropped a comment on the Substack. I love hearing from you guys. It makes me really happy. Sometimes you'll you'll DM me on Twitter. That's fine as well. Go ahead. I'm at Jody J. Sperling on Twitter. You can drop comments in my DMs. I won't probably catch it if you drop it on my wall because I have so many interactions on my wall that I just can't get to everything. That's the reality of the world. A lot less on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you're at, you can find me. I'm on all the socials. You can drop a comment in relation to this. You can also email me, jodyjsperling at gmail.com. I will respond to you and I will drop it into the podcast. We'll continue to have the conversation if there's enough interest. And I would love that because I really am interested and I'm, I'm a bit baffled, to be honest. I don't get why people like Avatar and spent so much money to see it, but didn't like Ant-Man Quantumania, which was great, in my opinion. Um, also, I think at the heart of this, there's a fear for me. And this is what I want to end on is the personal note. I'm a writer who puts out stories. And I think on a daily basis, I fear that my own taste is so poor that the writing I think that's good, that will interest the readers, is not what I want it to be, that I'm kind of deluded. And so I'm not looking for you to respond to that piece, but if you're a writer, I wonder, do you relate to that? Do you ever wonder if your taste is the problem, if what you think is great is actually not interesting to other people? What if I'm boring? Anyway, I'd love to hear from you. Very interactive episode, won't work otherwise. I look forward to hearing from all of you here soon. Uh, one more note, if you've hung around this long, I'm still looking for ratings and reviews on my book. If you want the first now four books in the Luke and Time Mysteries, let me know. Just reach out. I can get you a code for those four books. You can pick up all four of them for just $14.99 as eBooks, or you can buy the first book right now in paperback called The Nine Lives of Marva DeLonghi. Get you a special deal for that as well. You can get all of my books individually for a 
great price compared to Amazon if you go to www.jodyjsperling.com. Ratings, reviews, buy the books, love the books. Let me know. Am I a crappy writer? No, wait. I said I wouldn't do that. Let me know. <laughs> Let me know if this episode provoked you to think about something. And we'll continue the conversation if we're able. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening? <laughs>